welcome to Over the Edge Podcast with Paige Ray. I am Paige. And this is a weekly chat about pushing creative boundaries, making big moves without knowing all of the answers, and jumping off a cliff to our dreams while figuring out how to build a plane on the way down. So find your favorite chair, grab your coffee, and get ready to live the dream without losing your mind. Let's go over the edge together, friends. Did you know that the halfway point of a marathon is 20 miles? And I know you're sitting there and you're like, um, Paige, I don't know if you've done math before, but a marathon is 26.2 miles, so the halfway point of a marathon is 13.1 miles. And my friend, you are mathematically and technically and logically correct, but what I am telling you is the halfway point of a marathon is 20 miles, and I'm not just pulling that out of nowhere. I have run three marathons before, not to be insufferable about it, but to be a little bit insufferable about it because I am proud of that. So it's not that I don't know what I'm talking about or that I can't do math, but what I'm telling you is Everything that it takes inside of you, physically, mentally, emotionally, everything it takes for you to get from the start line to the first 20 miles of a marathon is the same amount of what it's going to take to get from mile 20 to the finish line. And that might make you, don't let that freak you out. If you're thinking about marathoning, don't let that freak you out. It's, it's, a common thing that actually is talked about in training because usually mile 20 is when you hit the wall. All of this is very pertinent to what we're talking about today because what we're talking about today is why you're stuck and it's not for the reasons you think it is. You're stuck with what you're doing or where you are because your follow through sucks but we're gonna get through it and we're using marathoning as an example. So let's talk about the marathon aspect of all of this because uh, people tend to think that the difficult part of a marathon is, well, the running part, but it's not. The difficult part of a marathon is actually the thinking part because running, I don't know if you've ever gone running before. (laughs) I'm guessing you have, but it's actually really boring. It's so boring. And to do it for hours on end is mm, even more boring than you might think it is. And so marathon courses will try to jazz it up a little bit. The rock and roll marathon is really fun marathon because they have a band every mile, right? So that kind of keeps your brain interested. But the truth is, is that you're just, you're going to get so bored. And when you are bored like that, even with podcasts and music and anything you can think of, your brain will really try to convince you to stop. It will beg you, please, can we stop running? I'm so tired of running. I want to do anything else but run. And your brain will try to tell you your legs are tired, your feet are tired, your armpits are tired, your hair is tired. It will try so hard to get you to think that you just can't keep going and you have to stop. And so you have to mentally train yourself for a marathon as much as you do physically because you are going to hit this wall at mile 20. And physically, you're, yes, it's going to be, that's that's when you do kind of hit the wall and, and you need to figure out how to fuel your body properly past that but you hit it mentally more than anything else. And even within that last 6.2 miles, you will get to the last 0.2 miles. You will somehow get through the next six miles. You will have the finish line in your sights. You will be so relieved that you were almost there. And even at that point, you will think to yourself, I should just quit. (laughs) 
<laughs> I'm so tired. I should just quit. And I have seen this in action. It happened in 2014, the last marathon that I ran. I could see the finish line. We were like 0.2 miles away, maybe a little bit closer. And there's a guy next to me. And he looked at me, gasping for breath. He could breathe, but we were all pretty out of breath at that point. And he looked at me and he's like, I can't like, I can't do it. I can't do it. I'm not going to make it. And I was like, my friend, today you're going to make it. We're going to make this together because I don't know if I'm going to finish either. But if we say we're going to do it together, we'll, we'll do it together. And we did. We finished together. And we were both in pretty bad shape. But the cool thing about crossing the finish line at a marathon is you, even if you don't know anybody at that finish line, you know everybody at that finish line. They are all your best friends in that moment because you just finished something really difficult together. You will cry. You will laugh. You will jump for joy. You will wrap yourself in a silver space blanket and you will sit down and eat something right away. Maybe that's what I did. So how do we get there? When it comes to our own creative work, how do we get all the way to the finish line? Because I see this often. People get an idea. Artists get an idea. Creatives get an idea. We get excited about it. We get started on it because we get to do the fun stuff first, right? Usually when we get started on an idea, the fun stuff comes first. The concept comes first. Picking colors comes first. Um, Whatever it is you love the most, that usually gets to come first. And it's the stuff we don't love the most that comes last. It's that last 10%, but it's crucial. It's got to get done and it's the make it or break it time. And this is something that I see holding creatives back all the time. But what I see isn't people sitting down and going, wow, I've done 80% or 90% of this project. I'm almost there. But my follow through, I'm not feeling it. So I'm just going to wait. That's not what happens. That's not what happens. If that was what happens, then it would be so much easier to say, well, do it anyway. How do I account for the follow through? And that's definitely an advantage that we have in marathon training because we know we're going to hit a wall at 20 miles. We know how our brains work. We know our brain is going to try and convince us to stop so that we have to not fall for it. And you also have to be keenly aware of your brain trying to convince you to stop and maybe versus you actually do need to stop because you're injured. That it's a, it's a hard thing that you're trying to balance, but If you're aware of it, you will get through it. But when it comes to creative work, we don't have quite the same definitions around creative work. And I don't mean like dictionary definitions. I mean, we don't have the same shape around all creative work. All creative work looks a little bit different um, from project to project or person to person. No matter what we're doing, we are all thinking of it just a little bit differently. And the boundaries of that are just a little bit different, right? The edges of that are just a little bit different for everybody. So it's hard for us to self-monitor what our follow-through is, what our pitfalls are that we are falling into and don't even know it. So this is what I see all the time when it comes to follow through on these projects. It's not that I see creatives saying, I just can't get my follow through together. No. What I see creatives saying is stuff like, I'm just not ready. You are ready, my friend. Or, okay, wait, let's go through the list of things I see people doing that just aren't the real thing, right? You are, you are in fact ready. You're telling yourself you're not ready. You are in fact ready. You will never feel ready. I just can't over, I say this all the time and I cannot overemphasize it enough. Whatever creative endeavor you're on, and if you are creating anything from a business to a painting to a data spreadsheet, you are a creative Whatever creative endeavor you are starting on, you will never fully feel ready to do it. And that's okay. 
start anyway. You're going to learn as we go. So you are in fact ready. You do not in fact have a scarcity mindset. That's not your problem. You do not in fact have an abundance block. That is not your problem. And you do not need more coaches or more courses or more workshops or more anything. You don't need it. You're there. Now, I don't want to be dismissive of actual very real problems. Sometimes you don't have the budget. That's very real. Sometimes you don't have the time. That is very real and very hard. All of that is very hard. So I don't want to seem like I'm being dismissive of these very incredibly extremely real challenges that a lot of people face. But what I'm talking about is the stuff that we tell ourselves, I just have such a scarcity mindset and it's keeping abundance from coming in. I need to meditate more. I need to journal more. You don't. You need your follow through because your follow through sucks. (laughs) Okay, that sounds mean. That sounds harsh. But like I talked about in episode one, we, uh, we are real here. We deal in the reality and the humanness of everything. And what I want for you is to finish this project that you have in front of you. This thing that you started off being so excited about because you feel like it might change your business or it might change the life of whoever comes in contact with it. I want you to put that out in the world. You deserve to put that out in the world. And the people who need it deserve to consume it whatever way it needs to be consumed if it's somebody standing in a museum looking at your painting on the wall if it is a coaching program that they're going through if whatever it is it deserves to be out in the world and it's time to work through what the follow-through is how do identify how do you identify the follow-through how do you do it anyway okay so one other thing I want to touch on before we get into it is Part of the reason our brains start coming up with these stories of like, I just have an abundance block, I'm just not ready, is because our brain really wants to be in status quo. Our brain really wants things to stay the way they are, even if things are difficult, even if they're not what we really want them to be. Our brain wants it to stay that way because it's predictable. And even if it's miserable, it's comfortable miserable, right? Now, I'm not not revolutionary in talking about this. There's plenty of talk about this out there but I want to point this out because this is part of why your follow-through sucks your brain is going to try and convince you that you can't do it but it's not just going to tell you oh we're not doing follow-through today no your brain's going to tell you your hair is tired don't finish the marathon and I'm not even making that up I got to a point in the marathon where I was like dang the hairs on my head hurt should I just stop running I'm serious about this It's your follow-through and your follow-through sucks, so let's fix that. All right, so what can we do to help your follow-through? Well, first we actually have to identify what follow-through looks like. That's what a lot of people are missing. So for example, and I use this example because I am a photographer and I've been a photographer for a long time, and I work often with small and medium-sized businesses, and this is what I see in small businesses. I see don't really see this in medium-sized businesses, and on occasion when I work with big businesses, corporations, etc., I do not see it at that level either. I see this at the small business level. A lot of people will call it personal brands, um, but I would tell you it's more than that. It's not just personal brands. It's small businesses, service-based businesses, or any business where the owner, you as the owner, has to be the face of the business. This is where I see it. So I've been a photographer for those types of business for a long time. And what I'll see is you 
book the photo shoot, you book the photographer, you book the studio, you book the hair and makeup, you show up, you've got your wardrobe styled, you rock that photo shoot hardcore, you get your photo gallery back, you have it in hand, and you maybe update a profile photo. Your follow through sucks. That's not, that's not, that's not the follow through. Updating your profile picture is not the follow through. The follow through is strategizing a campaign, a launch, an offer, anything with a plan behind it that goes big for the goals and the dreams that incorporates your branded visuals. That's what the follow through is. It's not just about your profile picture. It's how am I strategically going to use these visual assets because that's what they are. They are assets. But what I see people get caught up on is for example, oh, I should have worn a red blazer instead of a black blazer. Um, oh, I just uh, wish I had smiled more in this one or I wish I had tried a serious face in this one. Um, oh, I wish I had gotten my hair highlighted. It's, it's a, a number of things that people will pick apart from their visual assets that have no bearing on the outcome of anything. But these little things crop up. And we tell ourselves they're so important, I must put a pause on everything. I can't do anything <laughs> until I take a photo in like a red blazer or something like that. And you put your whole business on hold. And for what? It's not because, it is not because you actually care that much about a blazer. It's because you are scared of doing the follow through because follow through isn't what you think it is. So that's just an example of photos, but like let's talk about some other examples of what follow through is and why it's so hard. So follow through isn't just, you know, a campaign with your photos. Follow through can be I want to launch a podcast. I recorded a podcast. But did you upload it to platforms? Did you even tell anybody about it? Uh, follow through can be announcing your new offer instead of just revising your copy about your offer for the millionth time, right? It can be big, it can be small, but it does have to be there. And the reason it gets so hard is because that last 10%, that's where things get to start to get what you might say is cringe or it's where you start to doubt yourself, right? You start to think like, oh, Maybe I've overplayed my hand. Maybe I'm wrong about this. Maybe nobody wants this. What if everybody laughs at me? Uh, what if nobody buys this? What if nobody pays attention to this? What if, what if I wake up tomorrow and the most famous person in the world has reposted this post and they're laughing at it and pointing at it and everybody DMs me to tell me how stupid and ridiculous I am. Do you hear yourself do you hear that thought? Do you hear the logic of that thought? I understand the fear of this, right? And I know we're not like literally afraid somebody famous is going to like repost us, but that's that's where things tend to go in our minds, right? We get very caught up in what are people going to think? Is this even going to work? What if nobody buys it? Did I price it wrong? Are people going to look at the price of this and think I'm insane? Are people going to look at this painting that I made and think why didn't she do this with oils instead of acrylic are they going to judge this are they going to you know like the my use of light like it's going to be a million different things there at the end and so that's how you start to know it's your follow-through is it always happens at the end it happens the day or the week before you hit go and you think that these are the most serious things in the world but when you try to get other people to think they're the most serious things in the world other people can't figure out why you're getting caught up on this stuff and it's because it's your follow through. It's not these things. It's not the blazer. It's not 
acrylics over oils. It's nothing like that. It is your follow through. You're getting scared because this is the point where you're going to actually put this thing that you put your heart and soul into, you're going to put it in front of other people. And you're not putting it there for people to judge, but you are afraid people will judge it. And the truth is that they're not judging it. They're either going to like it or they're going to click next. They're probably not going to sit there and hate on it. If they sit there and hate on it, it's because they love you or they're jealous of you. (laughs) But they're not going to sit there and hate on it in the way that you think they're going to sit there and hate on it. But what is more likely going to happen is people are going to love it. They're going to be proud of you. They're going to be impressed by you. They're going to go, oh my God, that's something that I don't know if I could ever do it. It's so cool that they did that. And anybody who does anything else does not entirely matter to your process or your business because you're not talking to the people who don't need it. You're not talking to people who are going to scroll on past. They get to do what they want, obviously, but that's not who you want to connect with. That's not why you're making the art. That's not why you became a creative, right? So in a lot of discourse, we hear this called cringe mountain in a lot of ways, right? If you want to be a TikTok star, you got to start by posting before you even have an audience and it feels cringe. But if you want to build an audience on that platform, you got to get that post out. You got to climb cringe mountain. And I would say that's a really great example of what the problem is overall with follow through. The follow through is cringe when you are at those last 0.2 miles of your marathon you do not look good my friend you don't necessarily want a photo of it there will be photos of it put your sunglasses on put your hat on but you might not want to be seen in that moment struggling because it is the hardest part of everything but but you did this for a reason You set out from the start line for a reason. You came up with this idea for a reason. You started writing for a reason. You started doing for a reason. You started making for a reason. You started being a creative for a reason. And you have to keep that in mind so that you can climb Cringe Mountain, so that you can get your follow through, so that you can see that it is not some scarcity mindset that's holding you back. It's just that your follow through sucks. But here's the good news you can fix that. It's so fixable. And you're not going to like this, but the number one way to fix that is just to to do it. And I don't just mean do it because in your head, you're probably thinking, well, obviously I do it. I mean, you got to be willing to do it wrong and you got to be willing to do it again in, in the event that you do do it wrong. You might even have to be willing to do it wrong in front of people. Maybe that's the scariest part, but do it. Because it's not going to be the um, tragedy that you think it is. It's actually going to be much more fun and much more successful than you even can imagine. But you got to get there by doing the follow through. So here's what I want you to do today. I want you to go in and dust off the project that has been sitting on the back of your to-do list, but also in the back of your mind for a long time. You, you, You know which one I'm talking about. You know how I know which one that I'm talking about. It's because it immediately snapped to the front of your mind. You know it. I know it. That's the project. That's the one. I want you to go in. I want you to dust that off. And I want you to take stock of what you've already done for it and what needs to be done. I want you to make a very detailed list of what needs to be done. And even if if that detailed list is like buy a pen so I can write a list, that's what I want you to do. And I want you to pick the thing 
that you hate the most on that to-do list, on that I got to get this done list, right? I think Seth Godin calls this swallowing the frog. And that's more about a morning routine of just getting the most difficult part of the day done. But it's the same thing here. The thing that you hate the most on that list, that follow through list, is the reason that you're not getting it done. It's nothing else but that reason. And I want you to find a way to do it. Even if you're like, dang, I don't actually know how I can do it without X, Y, or Z. I want you to write it down. It doesn't matter if you have X, Y, or Z. I want you to write down what needs to happen in order to get that thing done. Do you need to outreach to 20 people to see if someone will help you? Ooh, that's scary for a lot of us. That's okay. Write it down. Just start by writing that down, making that list. Pick the hardest thing. That is your cringe mountain. That is your project this week, right? It's not the big overall project. It is that little part of that list. But that's the thing, because once you have that done, ooh, Suddenly things get a lot easier and a lot more doable. I believe in you, my friend. I believe in you because you're here. And thank you. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for joining me here today on Over the Edge Podcast. Come back next week. And of course, like, subscribe, give me five stars. I would love that. Um, Help a girl out because I am new to this podcasting thing and I could really use the support. Thank you guys so much for being here and I'll talk to you next week.